The Service Leadership Profitability Report is out. I got a copy of it and dug through it, so I had a ton of questions for Peter Kajawa from Service Leadership, who joins me on this bonus episode of The Business of Tech. MSP Global is the place to be to shape the future of services. MSPs, VARs, MSSPs, if you work in digital enablement, you need to be at the Nürburgring. Discover products, form new partnerships, connect with top leaders, and hear from MSP industry voices, as well as rock legend Bob Geldof. You'll get to enjoy the legendary Nürburgring racetrack, perfect for the theme of driving digital transformation. MSP Global, November 14 to 16, and registration is free with the code MSP Radio or the link in the show notes. MSPglobal.com and code MSP Radio to attend for free. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Well, Peter, welcome back to the show. It's exciting to have you back. Hey, Dave. Glad to be back. I heard uh, a lot of great feedback from the last time I was on. So you have a big audience. <laughs> well, I try. Hopefully I explore interesting topics, but you're like Christmas for me. Like when I get the service leadership profitability report, it is like Christmas. So for those that aren't familiar, let's do a quick baseline. What is the report and how do you put it all together? Well, the report itself is uh, it's about 300 pages this year of light bedtime reading of data and uh for those who are into really understanding what the what's going on in the industry um it's uh this is the encyclopedia of what's going on in the industry particularly in terms of profitability um but it's not just analysis on profit and loss and um and just traditional reading balance sheets or anything it's we're really going deep into the various business models that we benchmark and looking at what are the trends that we're seeing in the industry? And then every year we have the opportunity to dive into some special sections into some things that we find interesting. And they may only be things that we find interesting, Dave, um, but uh, it's our report. So we have the luxury of being able to go deep wherever we want. And so we can talk about some of those things too. But the data itself uh, comes from our benchmarking primarily. So almost all of it, we benchmark the industry every quarter worldwide as you know and we benchmark 10 different predominant business models uh the two largest sample sets being uh msps infrastructure managed service providers and product centric or vars um, but we also benchmark a bunch of different models of infrastructure provider um, app dev providers so uh, we look at what your predominant revenue is and and uh for example if you're 60 percent or more of your revenue is from product you're a var to us and so we're comparing really apples to apples and um so that's where we get the data from awesome well you're exactly right like that that 300 page report hits my desk and it's just christmas time i'm just digging through trying to figure out what's going on what was striking to me this year is is that there really is kind of a record growth 
and revenue and profitability growth in 2022. And, and we're kind of hitting really great times. Can you tell me about what's going on specifically? What are these key factors that are driving this great marketplace that we've seen sort of the past, you know, certainly in 2022, but it looks like it's like the past three years. Yeah, it's really extraordinary, Dave. When you look at the last three years, going back to 2020, I remember sitting around the conference table with our leadership team in the beginning of lockdowns, wondering, will we have an industry by the end of this year? Will there be any surviving customers? And all of us asking those kind of questions. And instead, what we've seen has been really remarkable. And that is, we've seen the three best years ever for the industry. Um, 2020 was obviously a huge year, but 2021 and 2022, when things have largely normalized again, uh, continue to be really, really strong. Um, we're, we're truly living in a golden era of the industry right now. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why uh, market acceptance of managed services, understanding of the model and the operational maturity level improvement by the industry and other factors. But Regardless, um, we've seen three extraordinary years of performance across the board. The the best in class, the green lines here, they continue to dominate. Uh, they're they're making a, on average about two point six x of what the median is making. And the bottom quartile, though, on average was about break even. And and most years we see the bottom quartile losing money on average. So um, so while on a quarter bit quarter in quarter out basis. There's still too much of the industry that is losing money in the bottom quartile. Um, the the progression and the improvement in the industry has been across the board. It's been really, really fun to watch. Now, what are you what are you attributing that to? Like, what are sort of the key factors going on here that are making that difference? Is are people getting better at operating? Is the market just great? What are you attributing this to? Yeah, a couple of things. So uh, we get asked a lot about valuations and why are valuations staying up? And so if you look at product centric, you can see the average growth of the uh, of the average VAR revenue growth really popped in 2022. Now, this business model has had some challenges that the average MSP has had, but not to the same degree. And that was supply chain. Um, 2021 and the first half of 2022 were really brutal for the average VAR in terms of being able to get their hands on product. Um, and certainly that impacted MSPs and had and uh, slowed down some projects and uh, impacted their ability to get some product out the door, but it impacted the VARs the most. You can see the pop in revenue from 21 to 2022. Um, and um, EBITDA, uh, adjusted EBITDA was down a little bit in 2022, but in terms of valuations, in terms of dollars, because of the jump in revenue, the VARs uh, increased valuations on average. If you look at the MSPs, it's been an even more exciting story over the last several years. So the MSPs, the average MSP, we've seen go from $4 million in 2018 up to $7.5 million in revenue in uh, 2022. Uh, we've also seen gross margin uh, stay pretty flat, and we'll talk about that more in a bit. We had some interesting analysis on gross margin in the report, um, but profitability has continued to improve. So adjusted EBITDA has gone from 9.4 in 2018 up to 12.6 on average in 2022. That's obviously driving a lot more profit to the bottom line. And so all of that positively impacts valuations. So, um, so overall, and the, the growth in, in revenue, it was the right kind of revenue growth. 
you can see the percentage of revenue coming from recurring revenue has passed in 2022, passed up over 50% for the first time for MSPs. So more specifically, year-over-year growth in revenue uh, last year was 23%, uh, which is about two times historical norms. So typically, most years we see growth somewhere in the 12% range, give or take, plus or minus 2%. Um, last year, way past that, uh, almost double it, 23%. Even more exciting to us was if you go down and look at the IMS, that's Infrastructure Managed Services, that grew 30%. So not only was top-line growth for MSPs faster than normal, but the most important revenue input for any managed service provider, managed services, Uh, grew even faster, uh, 30%. So that's off the charts growth uh, year over year. All of that had a really positive impact on uh, the industry last year. Now let's, let's do the sort of the last of the upside before I ask some targeted questions. So, so what you're also looking at, you spent some time looking at the valuations and like the, the growth of the business and, and over time, what did you find in terms of the value of these companies, both now and sort of, as we look at it historically? Oh, they're they're really high compared to historic norms. So 2021 was, in our opinion, were peak multiples for most MSPs, the exception being larger uh, MSPs, then particularly the larger MSPs that are that are extremely profitable. So if you're uh, best in class profitability and you're an MSP that is producing, let's say, five million or more per year of EBITDA dollars. Your valuations are today probably at an all-time record high. Um, as private equity money has continued to come into the market and continues to come in even today with higher interest rates, the uh, private equity money is chasing larger MSPs, and there just aren't that many of them. So their valuations have stayed or continued to climb past record highs. The smaller MSPs, though, um, even their valuations have stayed pretty close to historical peaks, uh, the exception being those that are not profitable or are barely profitable. Um, So my message to any MSP is you can't control interest rates. You can't control how much private equity money is or isn't coming into the marketplace. Right now is a great time for valuations. What you can control is you can control growing your business and you can control adding the right customers and the right kind of revenue so that you're driving better a better mix of recurring revenue and, um, and that you're driving better profitability. Um, ultimately, a huge part of, of the evaluation is going to come down to the percentage of profitability, the type of revenue you've got as an MSP, and the size of the bucket of EBITDA dollars that are left at the end of the day. So those are things that, that the MSP should be able to control. Yeah, it f- falls in line with my thinking on this because, you know, I, I know I sound a little classic or old school in this, but a well-run business is a well-run business. That's what brings the value. And you're saying exactly the same thing as if, if an operator spends their time on running it well, making sure that it's a machine that generates profit, that will have the value that it's looking for. And we'll be right back with more questions after this quick break. Want to learn from the best virtual CISOs in the business? Sonomi's ebook, Seven Tips from Top Virtual CISOs, 
is now available to help you maximize services, increase revenues, and improve margins. What are the barriers to achieving long-term VCSO delivery success? Why being a VCSO is so demanding? How to take the time out of many of the most vital VCSO duties and how to use automation to enable rapid scaling of those services. Learn from successful providers how they do it, and all for a free download. Visit sonomi.com resources, that's C-Y-N-O-M-I.com, so you can VCSO at scale. Now, I want to pivot a little bit, and I want to actually talk about, about that, that one area that was it's kind of troubling a little bit, if I, if, if I dig into it, is, is there's some declining services gross margin. Now, you know, I, I like looking at this because, from my mind, you know, good service delivery is a real key differentiator. What are you finding? What's, you know, how is that happening, and what are the implications of this decline in that services gross margin? We looked at this uh, this year. It's been something that service leadership's been watching for a while. Uh, my predecessor, Paul Dipple, and I had some conversations on it early on um, after I joined the company. It's been a multi-year thing that we've been just watching. And, and the reason why is because it's so incredibly important for the industry. Um, service gross margin, infrastructure services gross margin, uh, a.k.a. service gross margin. Um, it's the gas that fuels the engine that is managed services. Um, this is what ultimately is the single most uh, important determinant of profitability for every TSP out there. So really critical that we figure this out as an industry. And so for a while, we were just thinking, well, you know, there's a lot of inflation out there and that's what's negatively impacting it. And certainly that's had a, an impact. Um, but we wanted to go deeper. And so the section you're referring to, we, we uh, looked at this a lot of different ways. And so what we looked at first was, is this seasonal? Are we seeing this? We certainly know that Q4, uh, we tend to see a lot of pull forward on expense. So is this something that was strictly affecting things seasonal? And you can see the trend line. Yes, there was definitely an impact seasonally, but overall the decline was the decline over time. So we looked at is it uh, just being uh, uh, something that's impacting the bottom quartile? And so we went back to 2013, and you can see the trend lines are negative for the best in class and the bottom quartile and the medium. Now, the bottom quartile is certainly a steeper, uh, more accelerated trend line down, but not, nobody is, is moving the needle in the right way. So we looked at, we looked at, the different inputs to service gross margin and tried to figure out is one of them disproportionately impacting it? And the answer was yes. So when we looked at technical services gross margin, which is break fix revenue, um, it was down a little bit from the last couple of years, but up from before that. So um, a little bit up and down, but not dramatically different. Um, we looked at managed services gross margin and managed services gross margin last year actually went up from 2021 and 2020, uh, a little bit down from 2019, but basically flat for 2018 and 2019. So that wasn't the issue. Uh, we looked at shared services, which is hosted uh, uh, when I'm hosting on my own um, infrastructure. 
And not, not an issue there. That actually bounced back nicely in 2022. So the issue was the second line, and that's project or professional services gross margin. Um, clearly, that was the major, major impact. And you can see the last couple of years, 29.5 and 14.8. So once we figured that out, we went and looked deeper there to see what's really affecting that. And what we found was that the the it was while it affected everybody, um, the best in class service gross margin for projects was was about 35%. Now that's still way under where we want to be. Best in class service gross margin overall is about 51.9 currently. Um, so 30 being in the 35% range is nothing to write home about. But bottom quartile was down in the low teens. They were in the 14, 15% range. So um, so definitely a huge spread there between them. And uh, one of the factors you can see here, and that is um, how much are the professional services or project folks billing per person? You can see bottom quartile, about 42,000, best in class, about 51,000. Um, so so what are what are some of the reasons why? Well, what we're finding is that as as MSPs have gotten better the last several years and continue to improve their managed service operations and things like uh, capturing utilization and incentivizing utilization with their teams and with their managers and really making sure everybody understands where they need to be. Um, managed service pricing. We've seen great evidence in the last couple of years of price increase methodology taking hold and uh, escalators being put into multi-year contracts that historically didn't have them and really uh, counter counteracting the effects of inflation that everybody's been dealing with. So we've seen all of these things going on in the managed service business. But if I could summarize it, essentially, as the MSPs have gotten more disciplined and more uh, dialed in on delivery of managed services at higher gross margin, they've equally taken their eye off of uh, delivering projects at, and delivering them in a way that's delivering high gross margin. So utilization rate is a huge factor. Do you have the right size team and is your team fully utilized? Um, more than anything else, that will tell the, tell the tale of the tape on how profitable your project business will be. But it's not just that. It's um, when we looked at it, it's are you looking at your labor rates at the same interval as you're looking at your managed service pricing, which should be at least once a year, right? And as wages have gone through the roof in technical teams, have labor, have hourly project rates gone up enough to countervail that? Um, so that's certainly one thing. Another recommendation we have for MSPs is only do projects for your managed service clients. A lot of MSPs are doing fixed price projects now. And if you're doing projects for your managed service clients, your chances of stepping on a landmine are a lot smaller than they are if you're doing projects outside of your managed service base. You also, because you're doing QBRs and scheduling uh, your projects well in advance and doing IT roadmaps, if you're doing projects only for your existing managed base, you can schedule those projects in a way that maintains a lot higher level of utilization. Um, you can keep your teams busy uh, consistently. So, uh, so there's a lot of recommendations we have in the report on how to counteract this, but it's really important for MSPs 
to get their arms around it because they're leaving a lot of money on the table that could be going to bottom line. Okay, that's that's a lot to to think about as they're cons- considering all this. Now, the other area I wanted to ask you about was the looking at cloud technology because you actually spent some time looking at the transition to cloud and what was happening with profit there. In fact, you know, as you've, you've talked about, profitability has grown. What did you guys find when you looked at all of the impact of cloud over the past, you know, sort of five or 10 years and what it's meant for profitability in the space? Well, it's brought a lot of positives. I mean, on the project team, back to that point, uh, one of the things I'd recommend is that it, looking at the projects that you're doing, and if you're mostly doing cloud migrations um, these days, and they're a very different skill set than what you were doing five or maybe 10 years ago, make sure that the skill set of your team and the, the size of your team reflects that. Um, so it's definitely brought some positives from a standpoint of being able to do work remote and um, being able to do uh, project work without having to go on site. And a lot of things that have helped MSPs be able to scale both locally and outside of their local area. Um, but in terms of some of the other factors, uh, one of the things to be careful about is we we saw, if you go back to the revenue slide we showed earlier, over 40% year-over-year growth in cloud. And that's exciting. Um, it's great growth. We've seen that trend going back to the early days of COVID uh, as everybody has shifted to 365 and working from home, et cetera. Uh, the thing to be careful of, though, is the percentage of revenue coming from uh, product has increased significantly as a result of that. And so if I could uh, summarize it in short, MSPs are getting really excited about this additional revenue and all appear to be trying to turn themselves into VARs at a time that all the VARs are trying to turn themselves into MSPs. And uh, there's a good reason for that. And it's because the VARs have learned that they don't control the margins on these products the way that they control the margin on services. And so when I'm talking to groups of MSPs, it obviously depends on the cloud product. But if you look at products that are growing the fastest, like 365, if an MSP is getting 16, 17, 18% on that, the argument is, well, yeah, it's not as much as we would get on, on best-in-class product gross margin, and it's certainly not what we would get on services, but we don't have to do that much. And I would challenge that, uh, first of all, because you do have to do a fair amount of work um, to manage this for clients. Um, but second of all, how safe is that 16, 17, 18%? Um, are the providers that are, that are uh, determining that benevolent in their generosity and likely to continue it uh, or increase it. Um, and the VARs, of course, have learned that the answer to that is no, that um, that as you continue to grow these various product lines, that you don't control that margin. And over time, that margin is likely to go down. So what I would advise is any MSP add a service layer on top of any cloud product that they're selling. So uh, whether that's uh, 365 or anything else that you're selling that's a cloud product and you have to sell it at MSRP, go ahead and sell it at MSRP. Enjoy the margins that you're getting. Maximize those margins to the greatest degree. But 
reflect the additional work you're doing. Uh, about 50% of the MSPs that we talk to are adding an administrative fee or some sort of management fee, or they're baking that management fee into their fully managed offering. Something that that is allowing them to provide an additional services fee so they can, A, boost those margins, um, the, and B, they can maintain them going forward. Um, so definitely would recommend that for any provider out there. So, so Peter, what's the most intriguing bit that you see in the, in the report there that, that you want to make sure that providers know about? The, the, we break it down by different business models. And so depending on what business model you're in, you don't have to necessarily read through all 300 pages. Not everybody uh, finds that as fun and, and, uh, uh um, captivating as you and I do, Dave, um, as hard as that is for us to uh, acknowledge. Um, <laughs> right. But the, you can go in and just look at the section on on MSP data. You can go in and look if you're a VAR in the VAR section. But one of the sections we added in addition uh, in addition to some of the other special sections we already talked, talked about was we now have a really large sample set of providers who are on SLEEK, which is our operational maturity level improvement tool. And it's large enough that, that we're able to go in and correlate profitability to OML and various trades. So we decided to pull five of those trades this year out. And we looked at the community as a whole. And you can see that here, that we still have a about uh, 18, 19% of the community that's OML one or two, um, which uh, that's a really tough place to run a business. Um, that's a challenging place. You're probably losing a significant amount of money. The good news is overall, the industry has continued to improve over the last several years, and the majority is OML three, four, or five. But when we dove in and looked at some specific traits, we looked at target customer profile. And for example, you can see the red line here. What the red line is, is the percentage of managed service contracts sold that are their, that are their full meal deal. So whatever their most inclusive managed service offering is, what percentage of their managed service contracts sold are that most inclusive? In our methodology, we would love it if you only had one fully managed offering and that's all you sold. But the reality is a lot of providers still have two or three managed service offerings in their go-to-market. What you see is the more disciplined you get on having a single target customer profile, the exponential improvement that you'll be able to get but in the percentage of contracts sold that are fully managed. So uh, OML 4 and 5 uh, in the 70 and over 70% of their agreements are fully managed. And that brings a lot of efficiency in running the business. Um, tech stack, how disciplined is your tech stack? Do you have a single, uh, single item in each slice of your tech stack? And do you require all of your customer and manage customers to be on it? Um, and do you do it during, uh, deploy it during onboarding? If so, you're all on all five. If you have some preferred vendors that, and products that you sell, but you don't require them, you're more focused on the service layer, you're all in all one or two. And you can look at the difference in managed service gross margin. OML 1, 31% goes up to about 59.9, almost 60% for OML 5. So if you're trying to figure out how to drive more profit and efficiency in your business, this is a great way to do it. 
Uh, QBRs, are you doing them as the name strongly implies quarterly? Um, or are you doing them uh, once a year or twice a year? If you're doing them every quarter for your managed clients, you're OML5. And, and certainly there was a huge boost in profitability, basically break even up to 24.4. Uh, managed service gross margin went up. But the interesting thing on this one was product. Product gross margin doubled from OML1 up to OML5. And we were really puzzled at that and looked into it. And what we, what we uh, realized as we went through it was, well, if you're doing QBRs every quarter, you're doing a technology roadmap, you're providing budget guidance many quarters in advance. By the time you get to that quarter and it's time to do that project, the, the client has known about it for probably over a year. So they're a lot less likely to challenge it or shop or push back on the price of the project. So, um, so do your QBRs quarterly. And last was charging for technical assessments, which we refer to as the religious discussion. Um, and uh, you can choose not to do it, but if you if you do, you're going to be at about half the profit, most likely, of those who do charge for pre-sales assessments. So um, a lot of reasons why. Um, one that's often overlooked is if, if you're not charging for pre-sales assessments, then you have to have the capacity in your service uh, and pre-sales team to deliver assessments to every qualified prospect. If you are charging, you're going to weed out about 60 or 70% of the buyers who are tire kickers or price point buyers and aren't going to be willing to pay what you need to charge. Um, and if you weed out 60 to 70% of those, well, then you only need to have the capacity in your team to be able to perform about a third of the assessments. And the cost of those folks goes into your service gross margin. So those are part of your service team. So uh, there's a bunch of positives that partners get out of, out of charging for them. But that's one that I think is often forgotten is just not having to do as many assessments for prospects that are not as serious about buying. Yeah. I think that screening bit is uh, is part of that key value. Well, Peter, this has been like incredibly insightful. We've got a lot to work with. If people are interested in getting a copy of the report, how can they do that? Uh, they can get a free copy of the executive summary. Uh, if they go scan the QR code, and we have about a 12-page executive summary that we will send you for no charge. And you can also... Uh, at that same spot, purchase the full copy of the report for $15.99 US. Peter, this has been fantastic. Thank you again for joining me. And I look forward to uh, having you back on the next time there's a good report to talk about. I look forward to it, Dave. Thank you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Business of Tech is written and produced by me, Dave Somel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. Like the content? Support the show at patreon.com slash msp radio or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. 
If you want to reach our listeners, visit mspradio.com engage. Part of the MSP Radio Network.